1: This is Jeremy McFarland for the Football is Family podcast. You ever wonder why the NFL has dominated television ratings for over 20 years? Ever wonder why so many fans follow their home team with almost religious zeal? Ever wonder why we love the NFL and even college football so much? Questions like these are brought up on today's episode of the Football's Family podcast with special guest Darren Hayes from the Football Pigskin Dispatch. We delve into what makes the NFL so special and why fans follow the sport so fervently. If you'd like to be part of the Footballer's Family podcast, new episodes drop each and every Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarland and on the Footballer's Family Facebook page. Also, hop over to the Sports History Network website and check out some of the great other podcasts that our family has to offer. We're back to Footballers Family Podcast, and I have a friend of the the show on. And uh, if you are if you like good podcasts, uh, you would know his podcast. You want to introduce yourself again, my friend?
0: Well, uh, my name is Darren Hayes of uh, Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'm. It's a pleasure to be here once again with you, Jeremy. I Appreciate it.
1: Well, last time I think we talked about the Steelers, but this time we're going to kind of go a little bit deeper into your fandom. Okay. Because there's just not just one team. You and I both know that there are multiple teams, even though it should have been the Titans in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just (laughs) saying. What did you think about last night? By the way, this this show was filmed or recorded on the 8th, so yesterday would have been Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, uh, it wasn't exactly, I don't think, what anybody expected, except maybe some Tampa Bay fans. Uh, I thought it would be a much better game. But, um, boy, you got to hand it to Tampa Bay. They just picked out the weaknesses of the Kansas city and and played right to them. They played their game.
1: They did. Uh, I picked Tampa by three. I was wrong. I was so wrong. Uh, My youngest kept saying, daddy, your team's going to lose. Your team's going to lose. I'm like, I don't, my team has already lost. I'm just enjoying the game, you know? Uh, So did you get to watch the whole thing?
0: Yeah, I did. I watched it. Uh, well, maybe not like the last 30 seconds, uh, it's out a question by then, but, uh, it was interesting. I mean, if you really watch what, uh, Tampa Bay did to attack, especially defensively, I mean, they, they smelled blood in the water with those two starting tackles out for KC, And I think they just went after him, Barrett and, uh, JPP. I and mean, they they just manhandled those, uh, those poor guys that came into the substitute tackle. And it was, uh, It was evident. I think I read today they had the one tackle gave up 13 pressures on the quarterback. The other one gave out a dozen. So yeah, 25 pressures, with just Barrett and uh, Pierre Paul, you know, coming in.
1: Now I remember, and you, you probably, I cannot remember the year, but I remember when Eric Fisher was taken, I believe first overall or second overall in the draft. And people were like, well, that's a horrible choice, horrible choice. Well, was it?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It it showed up with him not him not there yesterday. That's for sure.
1: Well, he definitely is a big uh, big piece to their puzzle. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked almost human yesterday. Uh, my dad was commenting about how he was throwing the ball, but I was like, you know what? When you're on the ground 90% of the time, you're going to try to get the ball out as many times as you can.
0: I mean, that, that man, I mean, he really had a nice game, I and mean, people can look at his stats all you want. He's running for his life on a bad toe. You know, he's had a bad toe for what, a couple weeks now. To the three weeks, second or third game, he's had the bad toe in. But uh, just a couple of those drops that his teammates had. You know, they were just two. He threw to the end zone. Yes, I mean hitting hitting guys in a face mask, and that, they're professional receivers. I mean, they had to be coming down with at least one of those balls.
1: Well, that it's, one that was hit in the face mask, I thought it was going to impale the guy in the
0: head. That was oh yeah. A yeah, that was the one to the running back, I believe. I, I
1: can't, re- I can't remember. All I remember is that he- his head being knocked backwards because of the force
0: of the pass. And I mean, there was one to Hill that was in the end zone too. I believe that yes. sort of went through his hands too. That I mean, those could have been difference makers. Uh, the one the tight end dropped on the third and long, you know, which would have moved the sticks early in the game.
1: Well, what did you think about the Vince Lombardi, uh, the Vince Lombardi commercial at the very beginning and seeing his hologram? Uh,
0: Oh, I mean, I, I was more impressed with before the hologram, before they showed in the stadium when they showed him walking through the field and walking by, you know, different people and things like that and him talking, I'm like you know, I'm sitting there going, wow, that's, that's impressive. It looks like it's really him when they, when they put it in the stadium on the screen, it looked more computer graphic wise, you know, it was a, it sort of lost some of its flavor to me, but I mean, what? the message, the message was awesome.
1: Oh, it was this year. And, and you probably were affected like I am or like everybody else this year and last year definitely have thrown a lot of things off. But I was listening to talk radio today, and the sportscaster was talking about how football has helped us through more than what we realize.
0: Oh, I, I agree. I mean, just think about we, we sort of lost a good part of the seasons on the other sports. You know, basketball, those guys didn't have a chance. Hockey really didn't have a chance. Back in back when they were supposed to be being played, but the NFL came up with a plan by watching some of the other sports that were going on. You know, baseball was, you know, sort of half their season was gone, but the NFL had a plan and they stuck to it and everything done on time. There was a couple games that were late, pushed back. You know, like the Titans pushing the Steelers losing their bye game. But we won't talk oh,
1: about. No, see, that. <laughs> no, now we getting
0: to personal things here. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I, I'm impressed with what the NFL did. I mean, I think they had they had a plan. They stuck to it. They kept their players as safe as they could. Was it perfect? No, but you know they had to push some games to Tuesdays and Wednesdays, or maybe miss a week. But they got the playoffs off on time without a lot of people missing except maybe the cleveland browns are the first round of the playoffs but they still played tremendously um but and they got the super bowl on time and everybody enjoyed it and it helped the nation forget about the problems i think for a little bit you know that it made gave you some normalcy to, to the world so what are you going to do from here to august uh, i hope i watch a lot of football tape and listen to a lot of podcasts
1: no, there you go. <laughs> like the uh, pigskin dispatch every day.
0: Yeah, yeah that can be one. <laughs> that
1: can be one. Uh, you have, if if I did the math correctly, the Steelers have won six Super Bowls.
0: Six Super Bowls.
1: And they have been in eight. eight. Yes. Is that correct? Eight. Yes. Do you have a favorite Super Bowl?
0: You know what? I'm, I'm old school. I like Super Bowl thirteen. I love the matchup, you know, the Cowboys and the Steelers. It was the, the second time that they met. Uh they met three times in the Super Bowl. Second time that they met, they had something uh it was like twenty-eight Hall of Famers involved with the game between the sidelines and the booths and every oh, good and gracious on the field. I mean that's that's a good portion of the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know. That's um the game lived up to its expectations. You know, it came down to thirty-five to thirty-one at the end of that game. That's a game uh, Dallas had to settle for a field goal near the end of the first half when Jackie Smith dropped that pass in the end zone wide open, which was definitely a game changer. You know, a four-point swing, and they lost by four. But it was just everything. You had two great quarterbacks, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You had two great running backs. Uh, if you count Blyer. wide receivers you know between the the pearsons on dallas you had Stalworth and swan on pittsburgh it was just everything that in the defenses you know the the personalities on the defenses you know you had hollywood henderson and you know him uh, a lot of chatter before the game and you know insulting bradshaw and that got you know jack lambert upset and mean joe green upset you know it's just it's just great. It's great football. I love that, that old stuff. It doesn't get much better than that. Was that
1: the one where he said he you he couldn't spell cat if you gave him the c and
0: the a? Yeah, it was something, something to that effect, right?
1: Yeah, Terry Bradshaw made being dumb into an art form. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly oh, yeah. what he was doing.
0: Oh yeah. He's he's a much much more intelligent person than he's ever been given credit for, I think.
1: Yeah, i tell mm-hmm. you what. Um I've watched the video of it. And I believe, uh, I believe that Super Bowl. If the Steelers were not in the way, the Cowboys would have had a lot more Super Bowls in the seventies. And I think the Steelers stood in between the Cowboys and and basically owning the seventies.
0: I think that's true, and I think maybe the, the like the Oilers and the Raiders might argue with that because I think uh, the Oilers definitely had the Steelers in the way, and they, Especially the end of the seventies, they they had some tremendous teams. They were well coached and just couldn't get past that AFC Championship game. I think they met two or three times in a row. And they got the cheated 70s. out
1: of one of them. But again, we're not harboring any old feelings <laughs> today, are we? <laughs> but but the reason the reason I had it on here because it, in your podcast and and I listened to every one of them enjoy them. Um, well, th- thank you. It, hey hey, I, you give credit when credits due. Uh, in your podcast, you take the history of the sport and you make it apply to the situation at hand. Okay, uh, you don't give us just facts. You say, "Well, this is the facts, and here's how it applies." And that's some—that's something you know, like the birthdays and the uh, and the events. You give us a little backstory and tell how it applies. And then, then I've heard you even use it and and say, "Well, this is how it applies today." You are the person that I think would would best answer this, because I wanted to know what makes football, especially NFL, America's sport.
0: Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, just the history of it. I mean, you had the game basically of soccer and rugby coming across the pond over to the U.S. And, you know, there was a. the the famous game, you know, 1874, you had Harvard and and McGill. McGill was a Canadian uh, school. There's a Canadian school and they played rugby. They sort of introduced rugby into American collegiate sports, which Harvard adopted. Everybody else was still playing basically a variation of soccer, but 1880 Walter camp, when he came up with the line of scrimmage and you know, the, the snap and the quarterback position in the center and downs and distance. That was an American making an American game of something, you know, being very innovative and it sort of, sort of that ball rolling. I think that's where why we can call it an American game. Um, you know, Canada has a great part in that too, but they, but it was camp coming up the down and distance and the scrimmage that really set it apart from, from rugby sort of broke the, the tie there. Um, I think you can go on through history and you get into like, uh, for especially the NFL, their sort of watershed moment was probably that 1958 championship game. Uh, it really created a lot of popularity because before that baseball was king, there was, there was, you know, in college football to some extent, but that really put the NFL and pro football on the map and it sort of paved the way for the AFL to come out a couple years later because of the popularity of the, that, uh, one game. Um, I think that's what it did. And The NFL just sort of grew from that, and sort of some point uh, with Super Bowls, it really surpassed baseball. And I, I was looking at some stats today of television. You know, why why is football America's game now? And just tell—I mean, television was is the perfect. Uh, well, football is a perfect game for television, and much more so than any other sport. And here's my proof. I mean, television audiences. The largest television audience to watch a World Series game was 1978, the Dodgers and the Yankees. They had 44 million watch watch one of their games. NCAA basketball biggest game ever watched: 35.1 million, Michigan State Indiana in 1979. NASCAR's Daytona 500, the highest Daytona 500 I could ever find I could find in my research was 23 million viewers on television. College football, the BCS championships, uh, the largest one was USC Texas in 2006, 35.6 million. Okay, those are some big numbers. You're know, th- talking 20s, 30s, million. If you look at the top 30 uh, television programs in the United States, watching the United States now, 29 of the top 30 are Super Bowls. Uh, the only exception is that number nine was the final uh, – Uh, episode of mash it was like 105 million but the highest super bowl is 114 million i mean compare that to 35 million of the next closest american sport to be watched i mean it's unbelievable i mean if you go to worldwide sports there's you know olympic games and some boxing uh, fights around the world that were a little bit higher than the super bowls but american sports that's why I, i think football is america's sport television is one of the main reasons
1: Well, you and I had the same idea. I looked up the top three or the top five viewed episodes or or shows this year, this past year. Mm -hmm. Number one was, um, I believe, Monday Night Football. Number three was Thursday Night Football. Number four or number three was Sunday Night Football. Number four was Thursday Night Football.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and there's yeah, and there's a lot of good programs out there, and there's a lot of things people can watch. You know,
1: Yeah, well, since they got rid of uh, – since Big Bang Theory went off the air, it's kind of hard to watch some, some of these things. But, <laughs> but no, you're right. It, and the thing is, and John Eisenberg wrote a great book called The League, and in one of it he was talking about how – in one of the chapters he talked about how football was made for television because of the size of the ball and because of the fluid motion. Baseball was too small. Um, I've been to several hockey games. It's it's great to watch in person, but it's hard to watch on TV.
0: Mm, I agree. I agree.
1: Um, I like listening to it on the radio, but it's hard to watch on TV. But football, football can be watched on television, in public, and on the radio. It fits everything that America does. And now you've got it on the phone. Uh, you can take right. it anywhere. Um, right. And it's and it you, you're saying that it's America. America has a lot of good things. We were talking a little bit about uh, uh, Scotland and being Scottish Irish. Both of us have roots in Scotland and Ireland. Uh, America takes a lot of what the old world has and makes it their own. It washes up on our shore mm-hmm. and we make it our own. And
0: good way to say about,
1: it. Yeah, you talk about rugby. You talk about soccer. Well, what did we make out of it? We made foot soccer, basically right uh and and it becomes but the thing about the super bowl that really gets me and i was trying to explain to my family yesterday is the halftime show the halftime show that is uh a very recent thing uh that make it as big as it was what did you think about yesterday's halftime show
0: well i'm not that familiar with the artists that, that played uh but i can tell you one thing my my wife is not a football fan she doesn't she tolerates football in our house because she has to because uh there's so much of it in her home. Uh, but she every year wants to watch Super Bowl. And Yesterday she sat down with me. She goes, "I'm going to watch the game with you." I said, "Oh, great." I said, what, you know, what do you what part of the game are you going to enjoy?" She goes, "Oh, I'm just watching I want the commercials and the halftime show." I mean, that's become part of the the spectacle of the Super Bowl. You know, the halftime show and those commercials, which I still don't understand, but <laughs> people the, uh the,
1: the commercials this year uh, was lacking in a lot of ways. I got what they were doing, but I remember growing up in the nineties when they had some funny, funny commercials, uh, Jordan versus bird, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one was from that. And the, uh, Bud Light commercials were hilarious. Of course, yesterday had a good one too. Uh, but I was telling my kids that the halftime program really took off when in living color was was going to have a live episode during the halftime of the Super Bowl. And the NFL said, we're going to lose people. They're not going to come back. So they said, hmm, what can we do? Oh, how about we put Michael Jackson and let him perform during halftime? And guess what? It worked. <laughs> right. Now, uh, to me, the the best halftime performance I've seen uh, is the Prince a few years ago. He performed okay. out in the rain. He He did mm-hmm. an amazing job.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, my, one of my favorites, I think is the Paul McCartney Super Bowl. I'm, I'm a Beatles fan. I love the old music, but to have uh Paul McCartney, you know, 60 some years old up there singing and the connection he made with the younger crowd, you know, of course then there was no COVID. So f- fans could be right up on the field and right up on by the stage where the performers were. I thought that was phenomenal, you know? Oh yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. Did you, um, you remember Tom Petty when he came up and saying he did a great job.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Now the thing that got me is that they had people who were in their twenties running up to Tom Petty and screaming. And I was like, do you even know who he is?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I, I doubt that they know uh, they probably know free falling from Jerry Maguire, but they probably don't know who did
0: it. But, but you know what though? I, I have a 16 year old daughter that still lives at home and we uh, we get in the car. We have, you know, serious XM playing uh, when we're going somewhere as a family. And, you know, hearing these 70s songs, my daughter goes, Oh, yeah. She starts singing along. I'm like, How do you know this song? She goes, TikTok, Dad. Oh, my goodness. Songs are on TikTok. And these kids are learning these songs. You know, I can't say that when I was 16 years old, I could know, you know, my dad's music from the late 50s and early 60s. I, you know, I was around it, but I didn't really. No, but my daughter knows the words of 70 songs, you
1: know, you speaking with, I was very proud of my son today. Uh, my son is 15 and his dog, we were eating dinner and his dog came up underneath the table to try to get food. And I said, your dog, Connor, my son's name is Connor. said, your dog is under the table. And he finished it by saying under the table and dreaming. He quoted a Dave Matthews song. And at that point, <laughs> my heart left and I said, I am doing my job. <laughs> Now let's uh I, again Aaron, I appreciate your time. You uh you really do a lot of the past of, of, of football, and that's that's your that's your goal with with the pig pen and everything like that. You talk about the past, but let's let's put on your Nostradamus hat. Okay. Okay. Uh 20 years from now, if we're still around. Don't know. What is football don't. gonna look like in 20 years?
0: I think what they're gonna do is sort of the trend that's been going on in the last 30 years. It's going to be a more wide open game uh especially in the NFL college. NFL is sort of following college's uh lead here. They want scoring. Scoring puts, you know, f- seats in the stands and makes people leave their televisions on and you know, you can have a game like last night where a teams down 31 to 9 with 6 minutes left in the fourth quarter and people are still expecting a, a comeback, you know, <laughs> score three quick touchdowns. I think they're going to uh, put more restrictions on def- on defensive backs in the secondary. Uh, they're doing more and more of that every year, which a lot of it's great for safety and everything. Um, but I, I think they're going to encourage more passing. Maybe they'll allow more motion, uh, almost, uh, dare I say, go to like the Canadian game where you can have more than one man in motion in a backfield. I think they might start doing some things like that, open up football even a little bit more, so there's more scoring because that's what they seem to trend towards. But you
1: think that safety will come as a result of some of this?
0: Oh, I think definitely safety's involved in it. I mean, I, I think they're going to have you know some of the equipment. I think is going to get better. You see helmets getting better and better every year. Um, they're doing a lot of science into the, the the pads and everything. Uh, they're they're looking at some of the pads like. How many players do you see now at the college in the professional level that wear pads below the belt? Yeah, I don't think I see anybody wearing knee pads and thigh pads anymore. It's rare in the game. I don't see but, them very often. No, but years ago, I mean, everybody wore them. You know, maybe a receiver would take their knee pads out for get more speed, but the shoulder pads are smaller than they were 20 years ago. Uh, they're I I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to make a sleeker design for the players to be more comfortable, be more fluid to encourage scoring and better activity. And and I found that
1: sometimes having more pads actually doesn't help with safety. I I agree. And, and, you know, I think, well, how's that the case? Uh, If you ever watch if a car hits another car going fast, the car explodes. Mm -hmm. That's how it's designed. So they make pads designed to – not in, it absorb it but to spread it out and the helmets are the way the same thing uh,
0: i i agree but, but some of the technology in the helmets and the shoulder pads they're making better sturdier materials that are lighter and um
1: my dog sorry guys that my dogs <laughs> just they, we, we live out here in the country and they think that a squirrel is in their territory. So they just kind of startled me there. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Okay. But I I think some of the materials and the technology of, uh, you know, nanotechnology and everything, I think that's going to help it. I think you're going to see chips in the balls. You already start seeing that. I think you're going to see things like down markers and, uh, yard to gain measuring tools change. I think they're going to be more laser oriented, so you won't have a measurement on the game. The measurement you, they'll have a laser beam going across. You know, I think they're going to see little things like that. It'll speed the game up, make it more accurate. Uh, maybe do some more with some instant replay, which I, I hate to see, but, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, and, but I can tell you this in 20 years, we'll still see Tom Brady win the Super Bowls.
0: It could be, could be.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about your podcast and your website and what you have planned for us in the next little bit.
0: Well, the the basic goal of the website uh, and the podcast is to, just like you're doing. We want to preserve the football history. I think it's such an important thing to look for such a great game to appreciate those who have come before us in some of their innovations and accomplishments and great plays and you know, longevity of careers and their stories, you know, just find those stories of some of these great individuals that, that did some great things on the football field or, or for football. And I I like to do it in a positive aspect. I, I call it positive football. I don't really want to hear about the knuckleheads that did something, you know, off the field that's a detriment to the game. I want to, I want to talk about the positive and preserve those people and it starts with the hall of famers of the college football hall of fame and a pro football hall of fame. We try to honor those, those folks daily, um, on their birthdays. And so usually we have anywhere from, you know, sometimes one, sometimes, you know, six to 10 hall of famers. It's, it's odd how the they're scattered throughout there, but there, there's 1500 individuals, uh, some are both, but, uh, Probably, probably more like 1200 individuals that you could, we talk about and just to honor them on their birthday. Uh, we also like to go, you know, the, the, the headlines of that day, we will go back all the way as far as we can to find a date in history. You know, if it's uh you know, February 10th, we try to find everything that happened on February 10th and content shrinks up a little bit, you know, once you get in that second week of February, all the way till August, but there's still tidbits out there and there's little nuggets that we try to share with everybody. And uh, that's just part of our duty of paying homage to the football nostalgia.
1: Now, one thing uh, I do like about your podcast, and I look at your website daily as well, um, your podcast is, like you said, positive. You have a lot of energy in it. And that's something I try to mirror myself. I love listening to how you you could tell you love your, your topic. You could tell you are into your topic. It means something to you. And, and like, I like I tell people when it comes to what I do for a living and when, uh, and some people who want to do that as well, if you don't love it, you, people know it quickly. I agree. They'll know it quickly mm-hmm. and they won't listen. Um, uh, you, Darren, I, I look at you and I said, that's what I want to be like, what you're doing. Oh. And I, and I appreciate that. And, well, thank and like you. I said, give credit where credit's due. Uh, if you listen to his podcast, it's energy filled. You are, you're real in what you say because it comes from your heart and uh, I, I'm proud to be your friend. I'm proud to know you oh. and I'm proud to be part of this, this network with you. Well, now, thank
0: you. Now here, here's,
1: say- the, here's the thing I want, want from you. When you make a book, put all this together, <laughs> Uh, say that you knew me. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Say that I you don't know knew about me. the book.
0: Uh, the, all the information I have, it it comes from from others. I mean, I very little of it is my own experience, you know, because most of it I didn't live through. But you know, I rely heavily on the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the National Football Foundation, which is the, sort of the college body of the College Football Hall of Fame. They're the ones that vote for the who goes in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, pro football reference, you know, things like that i'm i'm a nerd in that kind of things great authors you know that have uh, some great books and uh, i know you're you're a reader of the books too and just uh and just so some of the other folks you know like yourself and you know joe zagorski and joe zimba and their podcasts and but you know arnie chapman's podcast and his guests that he brings on and some of the things that they bring in there it just brings a life to football and it brings that nostalgia back you know there's there's an energy to it.
1: Well, I, I think you and I need to, uh, I, I have a plan. I'll get it off air and we'll work out some details, but there might be some articles coming from, uh, from me soon that, uh, that Darren Hero is going to write as well. He doesn't know it yet, but he will, um, <laughs> for, for the website. So let's get your website out here and let's get your podcast out here again.
0: Okay. It's uh, pigskindispatch.com pigskin Uh, and the, the podcast is the pigskin daily history dispatch podcast. And, uh, you know, we, like I said, we're, we're going to go into some events out in the off season. We just started, uh, on February 8th today while we're recording this, uh, started talking about, we're going to go through over a hundred days of going through G numbers. Uh, they won't be consecutive, but that's how we're going to fill our off season. We're going to pay tribute to people that wore the number zero and number one and number two, and have some discussions, uh, Try to bring as many guests on as we can. I, I know Jeremy. We have you scheduled uh, for episode coming up next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about here later this week. Uh, talking about the uh, number six, I believe we yeah, have. There's down. only
1: one number six in my heart.
0: Only one <laughs> number six. Well, we won't throw any spoilers out there. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Yeah, Jay covered. But that's
0: all right. That's all right.
1: <laughs> um, but Darren, I appreciate you coming on and taking your time today. Uh, you got a Twitter account as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's at pigskin dispatch. Everything's got pigskin dispatch in it. So at pigskin dispatch, just look for the
1: the pig pen is clean. Let me just say that the pig pen is clean.
0: Oh, thanks. Thank you. But uh, yeah, just look for that winking pig with the leather football helmet on. You know, you're at the right place.
1: Football is family and Darren Hayes is part of
2: the reason why that is. Thank you, Darren.
0: Well, thank you, Jeremy.
2: We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month.